2: And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host Adam
1: Scalina. And I'm your host Matt Scalina.
2: And Matt, did you shovel the front sidewalk in front of your host
1: today? I You know what? I I did not. Right. Uh, I was at Sounds the gym. Like you. I was at the gym this morning. By the time I got home, my neighbor shoveled my walk. So you know what I did? I think there's. Uh, you know, this doesn't. This makes me sound better than I actually am as a person. What but did I you, do? Shoveled. you bought him coffee. No, I shoveled my neighbor's. I shoveled. I just paid so it. So wait, forward. he shoveled yours, but he didn't shovel his own. <laughs> no, it's a pay it forward thing. Down the block, you know, you got to shovel everybody to the left, to the left. You know, and as <laughs> Beyonce said, yeah. Wow. So if I understand
2: this correctly, though. Your neighbor shovels your block Then you gotta get home You gotta shovel the neighbor's block And everybody does this So the real winner is the corner house yeah, which, which suggests value, more value for corner lots. There's a
1: reason why corner lots sell for a higher price. Absolutely, uh, you <laughs> never have to shovel your front
2: <laughs> your, your front sidewalk. Um, but that's that's fantastic that uh, that you paid it forward. And uh, it is blistering cold out right now,
1: and it's also we've got about a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah, well, and yesterday was Vancouver's the Vancouver School District's first snow day. I think maybe ever, really? definitely in 30 years. Yeah, it was. Yeah, my kids stayed home and. uh That forced me to go into work because I didn't (laughs) want to be (laughs) there. (laughs) <laughs> right. just kidding they had a lot of fun it was great that that's great
2: so wait so you're well your wife's a teacher so she got
1: to everybody stay everybody well. was home so yeah i trudged into uh to the office in yale for sure had a solid productive day how's that rear wheel
2: drive car working out for you because mine's not really working that <laughs> you well you have
1: just a list of snow related questions yeah mine uh welcome my- back to
2: the <laughs> to the snow day podcast
1: this is uh yes yeah, very specific to vancouver it's like this is a uh, an insane thing when we got to snow on the ground well yeah uh for me i find that my car is like the worst uh car in the snow ever rear-wheel right. drive it's 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 useless worst. useless well i know we all got
2: to take a page out of uh, secrets book and uh do the monster truck the one. hummer yeah. the
1: hummer is actually
2: <laughs> well the the fact that he leaves the diesel hummer running while we re- while we actually record no, the podcast st john he's he's yeah. in an idle free zone <laughs> Uh, anyways, we've got a great show today. We've got Payam Amani. He is the president and CEO of Amani Development Incorporated. And I I got to say right off the top, I really, really enjoyed talking to Payam. And also, Amani is an awesome development group uh, that we've worked with in the past with uh, selling their developments. And also, they've they've done a lot of stuff in East Vancouver. You know, Shine comes to mind, Shine obviously. Shine is a fantastic building. Charm, Magnolia. Um, and right now, they're working on Akimbo in Brentwood. And Matt,
1: maybe I'll let you tell people about Akimbo. Well, no, you know what? I don't have much to say about anything about Akimbo, apart from the fact that it's basically like the Vancouver house or the butterfly of Brentwood, which suggests to me a few things. One, it's going to be a a masterpiece of a building, an architectural masterpiece. Right, right. But two, I mean, I think Brentwood has arrived. They're basically it's we're getting to that stage where you know there's trophy buildings being built uh, sure. in Burnaby now and uh, and Akimbo is is that building so it's really exciting to get in uh, Payam to talk about it and uh, and also just to talk about his experiences in the market like it's worth pointing out that he started around Expo '86 he's ridden this market through ups and downs for, for 30 years. Sure. Uh, so he's a fountain of wisdom, this
2: guy. And it's, it's an inspiring story as well, because, I mean, we're talking about somebody that started by building single-family detached and is now building kind of landmark uh, skyscrapers uh, in communities that are thriving like Brentwood, right? Yeah. yeah and no and the other thing I just want to mention is if you are interested in Akimbo, we had Piem on the Vancouver pre-sale condos podcast so there's an episode on akimbo to learn more about it it's a phenomenal building and uh, we've also got renditions of the project online so you can check them out at our website vancouverrealestatepodcast.com and uh, what else do we got matt before we go to uh, our interview
1: with Payam? yeah the one thing i wanted to mention is if this happens all the time on the podcast you know we have a really great conversation uh we hit stop on the record button as we get to the door It goes into a second phase of, like, really compelling stuff. Everybody's Uh, warmed up by the time the mics are off. (laughs) (laughs)
2: let me do it yeah Uh,
1: so payam just said we had a really interesting conversation about the west side of vancouver versus east side it's interesting because he lives in one of his buildings on the east side right now he's got a young family uh he loves it which is first off a testament to the developments that he's building that he's going up and down the elevator in a building
2: that he built well you won't meet a lot of developers that want to live in their own building right i'm just thinking just from the pure fact of uh deficiencies (laughs) Deficiencies, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the first year, you know, you gotta it's, ride it's, yeah. the elevator with people that are like, "Hey, I'm um, also, uh, you know, nobody ever came back, to yeah, fix That con- paint chip, constantly
1: my- talking about more right. deficiency walkthroughs, right. but, uh, but yeah, he's moving back to the west side. So we had this interesting conversation about the east side versus the west side, right, and just the market dynamics right now. And uh, you know what? We've talked a lot about the pendulum potentially switching back to the to the west side here because the price gap has narrowed so. So much, right? Right. right. Um, and uh, Payam was less optimistic about that pendulum swinging back anytime soon. Well, you know what? I he's okay. First of all, we'll
2: say he's a big fan of the West Side, and he's also a big fan. He's just a he's, he's a Vancouver with, guy. He's in love with Vancouver, but at the same time. We did have an interesting conversation of just affordability, the local markets and the families um, often living on the east side now, and just how vibrant and dy- dynamic that is to be a family living in East Vancouver, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's interesting right now, like we're in a market where there's been some declines in pricing. Yes. And it's interesting to watch the markets that have really been hit hard. And I think part of it is, and we've talked about it on the show a lot, the price points, right? Right. Um, what locals can afford, but I think also it speaks to kind of the, the dynamics of these communities, uh, over the last five, seven years. I mean, the East side in the detached, uh, market seems to be performing quite well. As mm-hmm. compared to, say, the west side of Vancouver or West Van. West I mean, Van is another one. West where, Van stuff. You want to talk about some well, insane prices right now?
2: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. On the on in places like West Vancouver, where currently, I mean, in British properties last week, there were a couple sales for you know great size lots, really actually decent houses, in around that 1.5 million dollar mark, which That's is crazy. which is very very surprising for British properties. Um, but one of the things that you know this kind of reminds me of is in previous episodes we've talked about international markets and markets where you see people, you know, kind of historically parking money the one thing about it is there's the potential for appreciation obviously the cap gain over there and and wide swings but there's also the potential that that market will shift suddenly right yeah and and we're not seeing that in East Vancouver right now and I should say we actually just got a five-year report which is kind of recapping median sales prices um, right across Metro Vancouver but the interesting thing is looking at an area like East Vancouver where you know in the last five years it's up 60 one percent, which is a huge, gain. <laughs> a huge um, gain. But in the last year, where we've seen a lot of uh, turbulence in the market, from twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen, right? Twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen is down only one percent. Okay, so uh, and that's that's the median price, right? Yeah, exactly. Where let's look at like a market like West Vancouver, where where we're at a higher price point, obviously ho- higher average price point. Um, but we're also seeing a very international market in West Vancouver. And right now, you know, if we looked at over the last five years, we're up about thirty two percent. but in the last year we're down about ten percent. yeah, so it's a substantial difference, right? So it is I think it lends itself to that idea that if you're looking at kind of stability and long term growth, it's it's important to be focused on local markets. What we're seeing then is that we're seeing these Markets that basically are hyper-local, you know, like a market like East Vancouver, where we're seeing young families, there's, there's very vibrant communities. These markets in, in even a downturn are holding because people that are actually making the decisions to buy and sell real estate in these markets, they're moving because of the pressures that are on everybody, right? Families expanding, downsizing, death, divorce, relocation,
1: and they also want to be in a thriving community. Well, that's it. It's where the locals want to be, where Vancouverites want to live. And, and even breaking it down further in this report, which we should say uh, get in touch, Vancouver Real Estate We can send this report over to you. I mean, the median price in Grandview, for instance, so the commercial drive area uh, between 2017 and 2018 was up 5%. Uh, Mount Pleasant, another. Uh, market that locals uh, are, are fall have fallen in love with up 6% in the last year. So there are these sub markets that are performing quite well, and it's really interesting to see where they are. And it's interesting to see, you know, what's it going to take for that pendulum to swing back? And, um, you know that's an open question I guess. Sure, sure. And I mean obviously there are markets
2: in on the west side that are performing very very well. Um you know especially depending on the price band and, and the location. But you're right when you look at a house in uh the Main Street corridor and it's at it's listed at the same price as, as a house in Kitsilano uh a few a few blocks from the beach, you start to wonder at what point you know, will people start to see the value back in the West side and start jumping?
1: Yeah. Well, especially when the main street house
2: moves quicker. That's, that's the crazy part. Well, that's the surprising part. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, But Matt, maybe without further ado, let's cut to our interview with Payam Imani. Enjoy guys. Okay, so we're here with Payam Imani, CEO and President of Imani Development. How are you doing, Payam?
3: Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah.
1: thanks for taking the time. Can you start, uh, Payam, by telling us uh, and our listeners a little bit about yourself?
3: Yeah, um, I uh, have been in uh, Vancouver uh, and involved in construction and uh, real estate for uh, almost 30 years now, coming into uh, 30 this uh, coming May. Um I started my career by uh, building spec homes on the, uh, in the Vancouver area, and throughout the years, have expanded our uh, work to multifamily and uh, taken on some uh, more projects and more uh, significant projects throughout Vancouver and Burnaby.
2: So, Payam, actually, before we started talking on the air, uh, we were talking a little bit, you said you'd been building for over 30 years. You're, you're a young-looking guy. I'm actually <laughs> yeah. surprised you've been building for 30 years. But how did you get your start in real estate?
3: I um, started uh, with uh, uh, my father uh, uh, building single-family homes. I was in my early uh, 20s. Wow. And uh, from there, I continued onwards and... Uh,
2: Years uh, passed quickly. <laughs> and <laughs> were you building all over Vancouver? Or did you guys have an area that you were kind of focused on? Well, uh, we started on the
3: west side uh, with single-family homes in Kerrisdale, Dunbar area, uh, and moved west from there. But predominantly Vancouver. Right. And uh, most of uh, my projects have been in city of Vancouver and now... We're venturing out uh, to Burnaby. It's a long way to Burnaby for us.
1: <laughs> my,
3: my roots are in Vancouver. That's what I know.
1: <laughs> One thing that strikes me, Paim, is, is your career in building in Vancouver basically um, covers a time. Right after Expo 86, a couple years after, uh, to the present where we've seen kind of 30 years of, of incredible uh, growth in the city. Uh, when you guys got into the business or when you got into the business with your father, were you expecting, did you have any sense that Vancouver would kind of uh, have these amazing real estate runs over the last 30 years?
3: Anyone that's lived in Vancouver for a long time um, has enjoyed the f- fantastic environment we have. It's a very livable, uh, energetic uh, environment. Um, real estate has always been uh, following that uh, by virtue of demand. Um, so uh, it's it's not difficult to see where real estate goes in Vancouver. Um, and having been part of it from my younger years, it's just been natural to me that uh, this is what real estate in Vancouver does. Right. So uh, I'm very confident in in Vancouver and its market, uh, and uh, very comfortable with uh, uh, the real estate market in Vancouver.
2: I and I, I mean I wanted to ask you because you know we're we're big on real estate. We love real estate. But how did why real estate? Like why why where did you get your interest in real estate? And why do you like real estate? I love it. Everything. It's such a multifaceted uh, business
3: uh, from uh, the transactional nature of it to creativity of design and uh, putting up something that you can touch and feel the construction aspect of it, which I love. uh, And it's it's a very gratifying uh, business where... Uh, you can drive past a building that you did ten
2: fifteen years ago and look up and say wow it's
3: it 's still there and it looks
2: great. I get that feeling when I drive by my house, so i can 't even imagine what it <laughs> what it feels like when you 're yeah. looking at something like a Kimbo, which has just you know is changing the skyline in
1: brentwood yeah we 're very excited about it, and look uh, forward to it going up. <laughs> I, I just touching on um, back to the, this kind of thirty years, thirty year run, and and you know it's it, it, you're right. Like there's a, there's a lot to like about Vancouver. We're currently in a a market slowdown right now, and there's a, a bunch of reasons for that. It sounds like this, in your mind, is is not not a worrisome time, but potentially an opportunity for for buyers. Well, let me start by saying that I think over the past.
3: 12 to 14 years, our standards and our expectations have been skewed by the incredible run that uh, British Columbia and specifically Greater uh, Vancouver has had. Um, in the uh, 90s, developments would strive to hit 40-50% pre-sales before starting construction. Some would sell through construction, some would wait until construction was, uh, would end and would re- sell the remaining product Uh, Units within three, six months after. The idea that projects sell out before construction is quite new, new being a decade or so. And uh, especially developers that have started their career in this market, I think uh, their expectations are a little flawed. In general, I don't think today's market is a poor market. Uh, it is slower, definitely, than it has been over the past decade. But there's still demand. There's still buyers that uh, regularly visit, looking for good product. Uh, they're able to take advantage of uh, this market and uh, take their time and buy what uh, suits them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in 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 that respect, I, I think we're we're okay. Having said that, uh, I think. With the exception of a couple of hiccups that we've had over the past three decades, uh, we've had a healthy uh, market.
2: You know, it's funny, like we always talk about how it's it's not sustainable to have 30% year over year growth in a market. So it sounds like what you're saying is almost there's this return to normalcy. In, in the market, in in some extent, right? And and do you see Vancouver as a healthy market? As a healthy, you have a what's easily recognized as a as a confidence in our market. And where where does that confidence come from? Is it environment or is it is it the the right metrics? Or well, we can have a two hour conversation about this. It's <laughs> one question. Um,
3: Vancouver real estate in general is healthy. What we've seen over the past. Decade is buildup of unaffordability, and that is not a, something that's created by, by one element in the market or fixed by one um, uh, solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people involved, a lot of policies, a lot of economic factors, a lot of, a lot of different things that come together to make up this issue. Similarly, a lot of elements have to come together to solve it. The longer you ignore it, the bigger the problem will become, the more difficult the fix will become. And unfortunately, it has been ignored uh, for a long time until it was right in people's face and they had to deal with it. Politicians at different levels decided to intervene, in my opinion, uh, a little too late, with federal, provincial, municipal, all rolling out their own policies, overlapping Within a matter of a year, year and a half, uh, and that's, in my opinion, has had some unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, it started in, I believe, uh, late 2016 with uh, the stress test. A few months later, uh, foreign buyer tax uh, kicked in. Empty home taxes in, uh, in uh, municipal level, and now uh, the overlapping factor of raising uh, rising interest rates sure which i i don't believe they'll continue to rise uh, uh much more but uh, all of these combined in a fairly short period of time i i think uh, has had some uh effects that wasn't uh foreseen to this extent
1: right it strikes me that um you know we were going so gangbusters the market in 2015 2016 and like looking back it's almost like uh like a boxing match where it's like A one punch, and uh, oh, we go back on our heels. That's the foreign buyers tax. But no, we're still in. You know, we're still going like crazy. And then it's, you know, it's been a pile on. And I think you're right that now it's, it's kind of coming home to roost in a lot of ways. And potentially the the slowdown is is more than people expected. But with that number of policy shifts, it's like the goalposts have moved ten times in the last four years. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think policies are good. Um, I think
3: each policy on its own w- uh, had good intentions, and I think on their own would have made sense. Um, everything, in my opinion, should be done in moderation with careful studying, consultation, uh, and, and implementation. Um, when things are done um, in haste and uh, uh, not consulted with uh, various levels of government and uh, all the stakeholders – you're going to end up with uh, uh, effects that uh, we're seeing right now. Having said that, I think the effects has been much more profound on single family homes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not as much on uh, the condo market uh, and especially uh, pre-sale market because uh, the demand is uh, still there. Uh, it's more of a uncertainty on the buyer side, not understanding where the market might be in two years where the interest rates might be what other policies are going to come in or even withdrawn mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, that's created some of the slowdown
2: uh, and on the flip side you think you know with pre-sale it's kind of right now we know we're in a softer market but usually people a lot of people argue three to five years to run a cycle so if you if you are to buy something that is is completes in in 2022 for example, that's a that's a pretty big gap. I mean, you're you're three years out. A lot can change in three years in either direction. Of course, but if if you
3: look at uh, real estate investment mm-hmm. uh, uh, models, I think everyone will agree that um, if you hold on to a property long enough, uh, history has shown that it will be successful. So. If you elongate that period that you're talking about, uh, then it should remove some risks.
2: Right, right. And we always say, you know, it's it's figuring out what your goals are as a buyer. And if your goals are to flip something, maybe that's a cause for concern. But if you're doing the long-term hold, I mean, in most cases, perhaps this is not
3: a flippers market. There are still some good values out there. Akimbo, being one of them, that uh, were. Um, offering a, a fairly significantly uh, designed building a uh, high end uh, building in Brentwood, uh, and architectural buildings typically sell for twenty to forty fifty percent higher than uh, competing product in the same neighborhood uh, such as some of the buildings we 've seen recently in Vancouver uh, we're artificially holding back some of those pricings to make sure it 's affordable for uh, people. So as long as buyers are able to recognize and take advantage of values, I think uh, real estate is still quite healthy and uh, makes sense in Vancouver.
1: Going back, I'm just thinking of your, your kind of past in building homes on the west side. Um, you just mentioned and we've all seen the slowdown in single family, uh a more considerable slowdown, I guess, in single family than than the condo market or the town home market. Is it a good time to be looking at single family in your experience? Or in I your think opinion? So. Sorry, I
3: should say. I, I think so. I recently bought one myself. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <Thank
2: you.
3: laughs> uh I think uh, uh it's a, a good time to uh look at single family homes right now. I don't believe the uh, slowdown will, will be um, permanent, mm-hmm. or the the uh, low prices that we're seeing will be permanent. Uh, I think uh, uh, it's just a matter of time before uh, confidence is regained and people start buying again.
2: We're also coming up on the end of about a, almost a three-year cycle of, of downward pressure in the single-family market as well. Right, right. Um,
1: And and the west side, uh, you know, Adam and I have talked about this considerably, but the west side to me seems like when you look at what's some of the prices on the east side of Vancouver, a lot of the kind of entry level on the west side seems really undervalued, Um, like the gap between the east and west side has Narrowed considerably. It's uh, it's kind of a curious time for the west side of Vancouver. Well, it is, uh, and that's a function of uh, the population base
3: moving, mm-hmm. uh, and some of the high prices that we saw in the past decade, uh, uh, up to two thousand and fifteen, two thousand and sixteen, um, uh, pushed a lot of the younger uh, uh, purchasers and uh, uh, demographic east eastward. Uh, so. Maine is not the border anymore. <laughs> really? I, I don't know if there is a border in Vancouver, but it's Chilliwack. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say Renfrew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just,
2: I'm just kidding. That's no, right. It's, it's moved so, very far east. Yeah, that's the point. yeah. so may, maybe changing gears a little bit, Pam. Um, what are some of the the challenges today facing the development community?
3: Um, we're, we're certainly uh, facing some challenges right now. Um, Uh, Cost, as I know you've heard over and over again, is uh, the the prime challenge that we're uh, noticing right now, uh, both from the construction side um, and also, oddly enough, the municipal fees that we're seeing that are actually outpacing the uh, construction cost rise Hmm. in percentage basis uh, year over year. Um, Cost is one thing that, especially now with uh, prices uh, stabilizing a little bit of the finished product while um, costs are rising. Uh, the other thing uh, that we're quite concerned with is uh, uh, talent pool and availability of labor in the construction market, which uh, causes not only uh, prices to rise, but also concerned with the quality of the product. So developers and builders have to be extra cautious uh Uh, with their uh, trades and uh, contractors uh, and uh, the timing of uh, the permitting process and the development uh, process uh, um, until five, six years ago, a development uh, cycle uh, was four to five years. Now we're looking at five and a half to possibly up to seven years. So that all adds to... Cost for the developer, and unfortunately, all of these things end up uh, affecting the uh, final price of the product.
1: W- one thing that we've talked about considerably on the show is is the community amenity contributions in in Vancouver, and you're saying those are outpacing the the building costs. If I understand well, correctly, well, not
3: not it's not just those. Um, uh, CAC is one element, uh, but. Um, Other fees that have been uh, going up, Uh, uh, development cost charges have, I think uh, in 2006, I did a project where uh, development cost charge was around $4 a square foot. Right now it's around $14 a square foot. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) you do the math (laughs) at what rate it's growing yeah, it's, it's it's quite a concern. Uh, CACs are, uh, as you probably know, uh, are determined uh, neighborhood by neighborhood, and it's just changed. And uh, lately, especially along Canby Corridor, they have uh,
1: uh, gone up su- substantially, and uh, same with other areas. It, is, it just strikes me as one of those things where everyone's talking about affordability, but the cost, the kind of behind-the-scenes cost that, that- Purchasers or the regular everyday people don't know about have skyrocketed. It's kind of an irony of of Vancouver, right? Where we're trying to get housing costs under control. Absolutely. I mean, the costs are rising. It's just the uh,
3: environment we're in. And uh, it, like I said, it affects the final price of homes. Uh, And that's what purchasers have to contend with and affordability or lack thereof uh is uh as a result of it.
1: One thing we've talked about on the show before is that Burnaby's a lot easier to to develop as in as a as a city as opposed to Vancouver. Is that it sounds like Akimbo is your first project in Burnaby? Was that kind of one of the factors in, in moving towards uh moving east to Brentwood or it sounds like you're excited about Brentwood as well. Was it that, that co- a combination there? Well um I'm not sure if Burnaby is
3: easier to develop than Vancouver. Uh, they all have their nuances dealing with city of Vancouver and the uh, city of Burnaby and other municipalities. They all have their challenges. They all have uh, 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 their um, timelines and costs and uh, issues that has to be resolved throughout the design process and permitting process. But Burnaby in general um, uh, is an attractive area to develop our first project, our first large project, was uh, because we were excited about Brentwood. Uh, we saw the growth there. We saw the positive uh, uh, aspects of the neighborhood and uh, the potential of it, and we jumped all over it.
2: So maybe, maybe switching gears a little bit, Payam. So we have um, we have a lot of investors that listen to the program, and you know, thinking about uh, the last thirty years and, and your rise through the market. What do you look for in a in a good real estate investment?
3: In in real estate investment, I, I think um, the quality of uh, the real estate, location, location, location. You hear it all the time, um, so that is true and forefront. Um, I I can't speak enough about that. A quality. Location, a quality product will always maintain its advantage over uh, a a competing product, competing real estate. Uh, So that is always prime. You really need to understand the market, understand the area you invest in, understand the potentials that the real estate opportunity has and how that aligns with your uh, uh, investment goals. I think uh, that that needs to be very carefully studied before investing in real estate development.
1: And over your career, have has there been some? Uh, we always ask people about their mistakes. Has there been any mistakes, kind of, that you can, as wisdom on thirty years in this market, that you can impart to our our listeners, uh, things to watch out for? I can't speak. From experience, <laughs> but I,
3: um, I would I would say in real estate investment you really want to make sure that the um, uh, investment in terms of uh, 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 magnitude of investment uh, uh, people don't overreach, uh, and the timing of investment uh, works for each investor. Real estate typically and maybe that's not true uh, that hasn't been true in the last three to five years where we've seen a lot of uh, uh transactions assignments and flipping and that type of investment which i don't consider those investments really uh but a typical real real estate investment is not a quick in and out mm-hmm. so an invest uh, investor needs to be uh, aware of that and uh Uh, mindful that if need be they can't liquidate and get their money out uh, as Mm -hmm. quickly as they hope
2: right this is more the long-term gain long-term play yes yeah
1: yeah yeah. real estate's supposed to be boring and i think people in vancouver have forgot that (laughs) they've forgotten in the (laughs) last three to five
2: five years exciting roller coaster (laughs) (laughs) um do you have any areas uh, maybe outside of Brentwood? Because we know you're super excited about Brentwood. We are as well. But any other areas in Greater Vancouver that you're excited about right now?
3: We're uh, bullish with the real estate uh, in Vancouver. In Greater Vancouver, we keep our eye on um, all um, areas. Uh, I think uh, New West uh, is an exciting area uh, for a lot of developers. Uh, We don't uh, develop in that area. Uh, uh, ourselves, but uh, the the council is quite uh, bullish on development and uh, friendly to developers there recently. Um, uh, Tri-Cities has been uh, quite active, and I, I like what's going on there. Uh, and uh, further out, uh, Surrey, uh, Langley, they've been great areas for developers.
1: Just thinking back to that uh, question about the west side, one thought I have based on your answer is is so the gap between the east and west used to be quite a bit larger than it is now. That gap in pricing has, has um, come quite close together at, at, uh, for single family. You talked about a lot of the people moving to the east side in, over the last 10 years, and it does seem like the east side's more dynamic in a lot of ways right now. Are you excited about the west side? Like, Do you think there's a pendulum shift back towards the, the west side? That's going to happen in the next couple of years, say. I
3: I don't know if there, uh, I would compare it to a pendulum because looking at how East Vancouver East Side has developed over the last five to ten years, I think there's a lot going on in East Vancouver. Uh, look at Main Street. Look at commercial. Look at uh, uh, Grandview Woodland now developing. Uh, I think these are becoming very dynamic neighborhoods and. I'm not sure if the younger demographic, given the choice, would move back necessarily to West Vancouver other than personal reasons. Uh, maybe they have family that still lives there or ties to the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I am I quite like what's happening uh, to uh, the east side of Vancouver, and I think uh, there's a lot going for... Uh, uh, residents who've uh, recently moved there to give them enough incentive to stay.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so Pam, what in your opinion, what does the the rest? Of, we just started 2019, so we're we're very early into the year. Any thoughts on what the rest of the year holds? Oh. Let me get my I mean, crystal ball yeah. app out. <laughs> app? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um. I see 2019 as uh, a, a slow and steady year. I think it's going to be a year maybe leading into the first and possibly second quarter of 2020 where people are going to cast their breath, look around, make sure everything is okay, ground is still solid, regain uh, their confidence in the market and... Uh, Uh, move on from there. Uh, I don't think anything is uh, fundamentally wrong with the uh, real estate market in greater Vancouver. And it's just a matter of time before people uh, find their strides again.
1: And and so three to five year predictions, it sounds like kind of halfway through 2020, you see it it picking up? I I think sometime in 2020,
3: probably early in 2020, people are going to start Mm -hmm. Um, um, uh, their their activities again. Uh, And I hope that uh, progression from there is a little bit more moderate than we saw over the last decade.
2: So, and uh, and maybe as a final question, Payam, Do you have any kind of parting advice for people that are looking at your career and saying, wow, this this guy's so far in 30 years has done exactly the trajectory that a lot of people aspire to, um, becoming from single-family homes or from renovations or building to a developer? Um, Any advice for people starting out?
3: Yeah, uh, slow and steady. Uh, I I think uh, uh, there's nothing better than first-hand experience, um it it makes for probably a longer uh uh learning curve, but uh, a much more solid and uh something you can rely on heavily as opposed to an advice of a friend or uh, a consultant.
2: You gotta you gotta get your feet on the ground and uh Absolutely do put in your the time yeah. put in the time. Before we let you go, Payam, uh we do have the five wire, five quick questions about Vancouver. Can you stick around for that? Absolutely. Okay, so question number one, what is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver?
3: Mount Pleasant. I live in it. Oh, great. Oh, wow.
1: And we're coming live from it. So, <laughs> um, Favorite restaurant or bar? you got a lot to choose from in Mount Pleasant, but I'm curious to hear. Favorite restaurant or bar?
3: At the risk of uh,
1: being a snob,
3: La Crocodile.
2: Very, very good choice. It's
1: it. We've heard it more than once on this program. Matt and I
2: aspire to eat there. <laughs> <laughs> um, question number three: um, Where do you bring the, somebody from out of town?
1: The first place that you bring them out of town: uh, Queen Elizabeth Park. Great choice. West Side Mansion or Downtown Pentos? Downtown Pentos.
2: Or Eastside Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> Eastside Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> and and last but not least, what is something that you've bought in the last year or so for under $500 that has had a significant impact on your life? It could be a, a book, a gadget, an app, uh, anything.
3: I want to say a gift for my wife.
2: <laughs> That's the third developer that said <laughs> I, that. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm starting to see a correlation. (laughs) Well,
1: fantastic. Well, thanks so much, Payam, for your time. That was a a fantastic conversation, and and good luck with Akimbo. It's going to be a great success. We know that. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Payam Imani from Imani Developments.
2: Really enjoyed our conversation with Payam, Matt. Great having him in the studio and always yeah. oh, so useful to hear from
1: these uh, real estate, you know, he's he's 30 years in the business, he's, he's a real estate vet. You know what is an amazing thing about a guy like Payam, he's 30 years in the business and he's also talking about his young kids.
2: Yeah, I know, but he's young crazy. To, he's
1: young to have the kind of wealth of experience and knowledge.
2: That well, yeah, and we joke about him being a veteran, but at at the same time, he's too young looking. Like that was one of our comments was when he said he's been doing this for 30 plus years, I nearly spit my coffee out. Yeah. And then I looked in the mirror and, and then, then he, I then he asked considered the, Botox and yeah, here he we are. He asked you if you'd been in the business 50 plus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Turns out I just had a rough night. Uh, but also it, it really is. He's a young looking guy. He's, he's an energetic guy. Uh, it was great to have him. On the program, this actually reminds me of a, a story that you were telling me
1: last week. Aren't you a bit of an ageist? Or you I, tend don't to think what, you're I don't even know what I don't even than you are. Oh yeah, yeah. I was going to say I don't even know what an ageist is, but uh, yeah, I was. Well, I, I had a massage. I just started getting massages, and my massage therapist, my registered massage therapist, the RMT. Yes, uh, my RMT is uh, is a woman, and I I guess I would guess she's probably mid 20s mid to late 20s anyway i go in she says well you know what are you you having problems with something i say yeah my lower back's very tender and she says all the (laughs) sit-ups no it's not yeah she said she actually told me to work on my core which i was like man that hurt uh so i say you know yeah my lower back's really tender and she says well that's totally common you know even people my age get uh you know issues with their lower back to which i responded (laughs) Are we not the same age? And And you're not. And and it turns out we're not, and it's clear to everybody but myself. No, I know. And (laughs) it's
2: it's a weird thing that you get stuck in this age that you continue to be for the rest of your life. I feel like I, yeah, like I should be. You're 25 forever. Yeah, I
1: should be relating everybody that's 25, 26, 27. It's like, you know, guys like us. Yeah, well, uh,
2: I actually get the opposite. So I've got some guys, colleagues at work that are in their mid-50s, and they you know, they'll constantly say to me, you know, guys our age, and then I, I have a, a spiral spin-off. <laughs> then I, I end up in the in the fetal position crying. Um, but it's it's one like of those. They graduated
1: things. university in eighty four? Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, yeah. Three <laughs> years after I was born. But it, it is that it is that idea that uh I think people get
1: stuck in this in this way of thinking about age. Self perception, man. It's it, tough. Anyway, I think she was more offended yeah. by my comment than anything else because she was like, okay, dude, you're like yeah.
2: pushing 50. What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, Payam looks
1: great. Yeah, no, uh, Payam is definitely a young guy. <laughs> what What else do we got, Adam? We got Vancouver Real Estate
2: Yeah, Matt, head over to uh, Vancouver Real Estate We've got lots of great resources.
1: Uh, we've got resources like the Live Wire, Matt. You know what, Adam? Before we move on, we should just say the Live Wire, we're always sending out. Out updates on, on episodes, interesting articles, tips, tricks, blog posts. It's, it's great. We've also started sending out more information about projects that we're excited about, stuff right. that we're talking about on the pre sale condos podcast, or even stuff that we haven't talked about. I mean, Georgetown one in Surrey, we just sent out, we had a ton of people get in touch with us about that. That's an exciting project. Uh, U8 in Kelowna was another one. If you're interested in just hearing about investment ideas, Sign up to the live wire at com. You won't be disappointed. You definitely
2: won't. And we definitely have people that are reaching out to us all the time, pitching us projects and opportunities, and uh, we put those opportunities in front of you. So if you are interested in investments right across the country, really, you should be on this list. Yeah. And did we mention Fort St. John? I think we did last episode, Matt, in a special report. We did a special report. (laughs) We are are heading up to Fort St. John on March 9th. If you are interested, get in touch before then. Absolutely. We also have, last but not least, that research tool. It's called Private Client Services. Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get realtor-level information right to your inbox. It's free. It gives you sold prices. It gives you days on market. It is the best research tool out there. We've tried them all. And we've had so many people uh, get in touch to be on this research tool and just... Get in touch, sign up for PCS, we'll set you up an account, it will change your life. No kidding, and we're talking about even other markets, Kamloops, Kelowna, any anyway, island. We can, we can search right across BC, so get in touch
1: if you're interested and uh, we can help you out. And how can people get in touch? Well, apart from the website, you can try me at 778-847-2854 or matt at com, Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at
2: com.
1: We also have that secret Scalina line info
2: at VancouverRealEstatePodcast dot com. Barely hear them over the diesel fumes. <laughs> Turn off your truck. <laughs> stay, uh, stay warm and stay safe warm. out there. Stay warm, stay safe.
3: Two with faces for radio. Subscribe today. <laughs>